The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Mark the day. Roe v. Wade has been overturned. It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, biblical scholar and cultural commentator, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice for moral sanity and spiritual clarity. Call 866-34-TRUTH to get on The Line of Fire. And now, here's your host, Dr. Michael Brown. It's historic. June 24th, a little bit past 10 o'clock this morning, the Supreme Court issued its much-anticipated ruling officially overturning the monstrous, unconstitutional 1973 decision, which was taken even further in 1992, Roe v. Wade, has been overturned. It's the rarest of rare that we will preempt a Friday Q&A show where you call in with all your questions. You've got questions. We've got answers. But this is one of those days where it is just so important that we talk about the significance of what's happened, that we put things in a larger context, that we give you spiritual insight, that we talk about how we move forward, that we look at at what is unique about what has happened, because it's not just a massive, important ruling, but it is extremely unique in American history and in the context of the whole world. If you want one article where I lay this out that you can share with others, it's on my website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org. You can read and share the article. In fact, I encourage you to do it. As soon as you get a break, grab hold of it and share it with whatever means is best for you to share. I'm hoping to bring on a couple of special guests with me who've been on the front lines of the pro-life movement, as you can imagine. Their schedules are packed. They're doing interviews by the moment. Uh, They're involved in all kinds of special meetings, but hopefully we'll get a couple of them to join us as well. So last night, I get a voicemail from my pro-life friend, Pat Mahoney. All right. And I want you to hear what Pat left on the voicemail for me all about 1015 last night. Hey, brother, Pat Mahoney, how are you? I'm at the Supreme Court praying right now, but give me a call when you can. I have some really interesting information I need uh, prayer over. Okay, bye. So I, I called Pat back, and it turns out he was given information, inside information. Remember, he's been on the pro-life front lines for almost 50 years. He's been arrested for various causes over 100 times, owes more than $25 million in fines. He, like many others, have paid a price over the years to fight for the lives of the unborn and to help bring us into a culture of life. So the information indicated that there would be a ruling released at 10 this morning. Now, in my mind, when nothing happened yesterday, then it had to be Monday. I wasn't expecting major ruling to be released today. The, the text that he received that was a bit cryptic and he had to decipher, is it accurate or not? But, but here's why he thought it was really going to happen and that the Lord was just being gracious to him. A year ago, Pat Mahoney, and we talked about this on the air, he felt led to drive into D.C. from Virginia on a Friday. He doesn't like to do that. Why? Because traffic can get so intense on a Friday that to get home 
It's three hours in miserable bumper-to-bumper traffic. But he felt the Lord told him, go to D.C. on a Friday. This is about a year ago. And pray for the Dobbs case. Now, this is the Dobbs v. Jackson case from Mississippi. It had been submitted to the, to the court a year earlier and frozen there. It stopped there. Right? So Mississippi passes a pro-life law. It gets, it gets held up. Women's clinic, plan, uh, a, an abortion clinic opposes it. Anyway, it's just frozen. Nothing's happened. It, it sat there. Supreme Court, they haven't said yes or no whether they're going to hear for almost a year. He feels led to go into D.C. on a Friday to pray that the court will hear this. Again, it sat idle for a year. That Monday, Frank calls, Pat, have you heard? The court's going to hear Dobbs. So he, he, fled. he couldn't believe that. He could not believe that. And, and to him, though, that was super significant. Why? Because if the Supreme Court said, let it lie, Roe v. Wade is the law of the land, Casey v. Miller is the law of the land, let it lie. That's the reality. And the, the lower court has ruled against this pro-life uh, uh, legislation, so let it lie. So his thought is, why even hear it in the first place if the court is going to let it lie? Maybe, maybe the court's going to say, hey, we side with Dobbs. But all along, the pro-abortion activists and legal scholars and others were saying, no, 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 this could actually threaten Roe directly. And then the attorney general in Mississippi, rather than saying, hey, we better be cautious here, laid out a very clear, articulate argument against Roe, just dismantling it, saying there, there is no constitutional or legal basis for this, period, period. So overturn Roe. So, of course, we remember what happens when, when someone, presumably, I mean, 99% sure, someone on the left leaks this decision, unprecedented. Well, have they been found out yet? No. Unprecedented leaks this to Politico and says, this is Justice Alito's decision, and this is what is going to happen. This is what is coming down. And Roe is going to be overturned. And what we understood was that Justice Roberts was saying, hey, I'll vote with you six to three. I'll vote with you to stand with Dobbs, which will gut Roe, but I won't vote with you to overturn Roe. So come on, let's, let's modify this a little. And, but that's what we understand was happening. In any case... The theory was that by releasing this, it would put the justices that were voting to overturn Roe under such pressure. It would create such an uproar that it would it would shift one of them. That's what happened with Casey v. Miller, where Justice Kennedy shifted it at the last minute. And instead of overturning Roe back in 1992, it should have happened because there is no constitutional right for a woman to have an abortion. It does not exist in our Constitution. It must be read into it in a way that is very, very wrong. In fact, let me just quote what Justice Alito said in the ruling. In Justice Alito's own words, Roe was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had damaging consequences. And far from bringing about a national settlement of the abortion issue, Roe and Casey have inflamed debate and deepen division, it is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. In other words, what happened now in the court's decision did not ban abortion throughout America. It said, let the people decide by voting in each state 
not specifically voting for Roe or against Roe, voting for abortion or against abortion, but voting for elected officials who will then say, okay, based on you putting us in power, we are going to pass laws that protect the lives of the unborn. Or we are going to pass laws that give the mother the right to abort the baby up until this point or that point or right up until point of childbirth. That's what happens. It goes back to the states. And the estimates are that right now, 26 states will immediately have pro-life laws now enforced because Roe is no longer there to shoot them down. In other words, they, the legislators would say, we passed this. The people voted for people who would pass them. So the, the voice of the people was snuffed out, snuffed out, snuffed out. Now it's for the people to decide. We'll talk about this, what this means, what the consequences are going to be. All right, so the, what's interesting is that many feel that with the decision being leaked, it galvanized things. And, and now the word was out even more. And the more you intimidate and scream and yell and threaten, the more these justices say, well, we're going to do what's right. What kind of precedent would be set if the Supreme Court's about to release a decision and word somehow gets out? It's like, all right, we just threaten to kill them all. We don't like to, and, and then you have mob rule. So if this was meant for evil, it was ultimately used for good. Remember we told you, friends, remember we told you, I say this to encourage you, 2022 was our year to take back ground, to take back moral and cultural ground. Now, again, it must be prayer-based, gospel-based. Otherwise, it'll just be us trying to assert ourselves over others. You say, that's what you're doing here. No, no. We're saying let the people decide. It was understood in American history up until the year 1973. Abortion has always been here. Abortion is not a new thing. Abortion existed in the ancient world. Abortion exists in the most primitive cultures. It may be accepted. It may be condemned. But it's, it's been done. People have found ways to, to get rid of unwanted babies in the womb. All right? So abortion has been here, but it's been illegal. And it was understood that it was not a constitutional right. And there were only a few states that legalized abortion before Roe v. Wade. And then with Roe v. Wade, it just spread. Now it's across the nation in any state. And now state after state is saying, not in our state. Not in our state. Now, this means that we need more and more pregnancy crisis centers than we've ever had. We need pregnancy crisis centers not just in the states like New York. State of New York is the abortion capital of the world. States like Virginia, Maryland, California, which have made their laws now, some in anticipation of this day and others just going in this direction before. They have made their laws the most pro-abortion we've ever had. Some, it's even been argued legally, now make infanticide up to 30 days possible under certain circumstances. Of course, other side will, will deny that. Those that are pro-abortion will deny that. In, in any case, in any case, we need, yes, more and more pregnancy crisis centers all over, but not just in the states that will become the pro-abortion states. Not just in those states, but also in the states where abortion will no longer be legal. Or, say, like Texas, after six weeks it's not legal. Well, the vast majority of abortion is going to be performed after six weeks of just of, of conception because the mother's just barely finding out she's pregnant at that time. So there are more and more pregnancy crisis centers that need to be there that women can go and say, okay, here are my alternatives. 
And how can the community stand with me? And all the more time for the church to say, let's make this something we talk about. And, and that if there's an, an unwanted pregnancy or there's a matter of rape or something's happened, hey, don't hide in the corner. But we've got women here that, that love you and want to spend time with you and help. And we've got a support system. If you want to adopt the baby, if, if, if you want to have your child, but you need support in different ways, let the church be the church. And let the church recognize that a lot of the anger that's going to be coming and violence that's going to be coming is because of people who are deeply hurt and the pain inside of them becomes anger. All right, a whole lot more to come your way on this special Line of Fire broadcast. We've been waiting for this for a long time. It's been my joy and privilege to support and help leaders on the front line of the pro-life movement. They've been waiting for this for a very long time. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks, friends, for joining us on this special day of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Suddenly now, across America, different states, laws are being triggered that were previously shot down because of Roe. Now there's nothing standing in their way. And initially, it looks like 26 pro-life states versus 24 pro-abortion states. And I want to read to you what my colleagues John Zmerick and Jason Jones predict will happen in these different states. Uh, there is special significance to this ruling because it bucks a trend of where society has been going. Now, please understand, friends. Even though America's abortion laws are some of the most liberal in the world, or were, were, were some of the most liberal in the world, America also had by far the strongest pro-life movement, pushing back, pushing back, pushing back. Uh, there, there has always been resistance, uh, primarily starting as Catholic, then joined by evangelical, to uh, abortion in, in America, when I, when I say permanently Catholic, then evangelical, I mean in the last 50 years. And because of that, we've had a unique situation in America where there's been a pushback. You can go around the world, other countries, and the pro-life movement, uh, we got even decent amounts of Christians. It's tiny. It's tiny. So America's been unique in terms of, of the pushback. But there's a book by legal scholar Stephen Prothero. He's a professor, brilliant legal scholar. And it came out in 2016. The title was Why Liberals Win the Culture Wars Even When They Lose Elections. The history of the religious battles that define America from Jefferson's heresies to gay marriage today. And he, and he argued that our culture wars have always been religious wars, progressing through the same stages of conservative reaction to liberal victory that eventually benefit all Americans. So, in other words, things continue to shift left, things continue to shift liberal. That's because liberalism is more inclusive and so on. Well, obviously, there's a backlash because obviously abortion is not inclusive in terms of the damage done to the baby and ultimately the damage done to the mother and the father and the family and the society. But this has bucked a trend 
of decisions going in a wrong direction. I mean, some of the biggest, biggest, biggest. And there have been others along the way where the Supreme Court has pushed back, pushed back. You say, hey, well, Dr. Brown, what are you going to say now? Because it was Donald Trump who you don't want to run again in 2024. It's because Donald Trump that this happened. Now, interestingly, when Trump was asked about this, did he play a role? Fox News asked him. He said this was God's decision. So here, as one colleague said to him, you have the most arrogant president acting in the most humble way. I'm sure other presidents have been arrogant as well. But interesting, that's what he said. God's decision. Didn't take credit for it. And point of fact, God used him. And that, by the way, was the number one reason why I voted for him in 2016 and then voted for him again in 2020. He kept his promises about Supreme Court justices. That was the number one reason why I voted for him. I still would rather see someone else run in 2024 that will represent pro-life, pro-family, uh, pro-Israel, uh, anti-terror, etc. I'd still rather see someone else run than him. But I'm grateful for what he did, and I do deeply appreciate it. And think of how unlikely the whole scenario is. Yeah, Fireman Mark Taylor had predicted a Trump presidency and that uh, he'd be elected in 2012 and then he'd appoint three Supreme Court justices. Well, you got the years wrong. It's 2016, not 2012. And he did appoint three Supreme Court justices. Mark Taylor also said that he'd be reelected and so on, sir, so four more years. And of course, that didn't happen. But what's interesting is him, him appointing three justices in one term. When did that happen before? When did that happen? Not, not in my memory or knowledge. And the only way he got the third in, which is obviously the critical vote here, the, 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 the swing vote ultimately in terms of one more person needed, was when Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg suddenly died on Rosh Hashanah, beginning of the Jewish New Year. And, and then just in time, Amy Coney Barrett was, was able to be pushed through. There's no reason not to, to, to appoint her, to nominate her and, and appoint her. So she gets through. Right in the end of his presidency, boom, it happens. And, and then, then this case is being heard and then the decision being made. It really is quite extraordinary. What's going to happen from state to state? I want to give you a prediction in a moment, but got to note this morning from Misha if you remember Marty Getz, his music is often played, sometimes with his daughter Misha, on our Thursday shows. Well, Misha wrote a song and felt it was prophetic. He felt it, it tied in with the overturning of Roe in terms of God arising and acting. So I, I just want to play this for you. It doesn't specifically mention Roe here, but I want you to step back and recognize that there has been prayer unceasing prayer, in some cases, 24-hour prayer over and over and over. Luke 18, appealing day and night for justice, appealing day and night for justice, appealing day and night for justice. I remember when the Justice House of Prayer was set up in D.C. by my friend Lou Engel, and they were, they were praying 24-7 and crying out to God for the overturning of Roe v. Wade. I mean, this is what, 15 years ago it was set up? And houses of prayer that had been going on before them. But there has been literally 24-7 prayer in certain parts of America for the overturning of Roe or in the midst of 24-7 prayer. That has been a regular theme. And, and this is the type of massive prayer that's taken to overthrow something this massive. Now we have to keep praying because there's so many other things going on with this. But let's be encouraged that in the midst of all this, this is God at work. Let's listen. 
got a rising that is part of what is happening in front of our eyes. We must continue to pray because there will be massive separation like we've never seen in our lifetimes across America. The spirit of Jezebel will be stirred up again, violent, angry. John Cooper from Skillet shot me a note about that. It's in my book, Jezebel's War with American Fact. Yeah, I've got the book right here. If you've not read this book, Jezebel's War with America, now's a perfect time to pick it up. You'll understand more of the spiritual battle and understand how we overcome because we're not fighting people. We're not fighting people. We're fighting for people. On God's behalf, fighting for their well-being. But there's a real spiritual battle, the violence, the hatred, the anger, and we want to win hearts. We want to change lives in the process. So, John Zamerick and Jason Jones, in their article on the stream, Dancing on Roe v. Wade's Grave, they say, right, this is what's going to happen. Uh, this is what's going to happen in these different states. Uh, let me skip down. All blue cities tend toward, tend toward Baltimore is the heading. We'll tell you what will happen. They mean state by state. The pro-abort states will gradually get older, poorer, more violent, and less free. Believing that freedom begins and ends at the bedroom door, they will go choosing top-down socialist answers to basic economics, which will go on hurting the poor. Soft on-crime policy, policies and intrusive social programs will remain mere band-aids on gaping wounds caused by natural side effects of the sexual revolution. High percentages of non-white kids will continue to be aborted. More communities will remain stuck in the glue trap of government dependence. By doubling down on the socially destructive legacy of the 1970s, blue cities will keep on going the way of Baltimore. Meanwhile, pro-life red states will become younger, richer, and freer. Minorities, minority communities won't be devastated by 60% abortion rates at clinics uh, cited to target them. Most black babies will get to be born alive. But without the deadly backstop of an easy nearby abortion, more young girls will make wiser choices about having sex while they're still teenagers. We'll see the rate of unwed motherhood flatten and decline as young men feel the good to uh, the goad to marry girls if they really want them. A rebirth of marriage and fatherhood is the unavoidable outcome, restoring to the poor one thing they need more than any handout, intact families to grow up in. In fact, here's a quote from Stephen Mosley, African-American, a leader in Project 21. An unborn child, he said, now has a fighting chance at life. This is a great day of joy, especially for us in the black community, as abortion is the number one killer of black Americans. As stated in the Declaration of Independence, we have the right to life. Today, those words ring truer for the unborn. I've seen abortion, as many others have, as especially an attack not just against the next generation, but on black Americans an evil attack from the pit to destroy people that God wants to bring into this world. May this culture of life sweep through the nation. Much more to come. Stay right here. It's 
The Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on The Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Well, as you know, we have preempted our normal Q&A Friday broadcast to talk about the significance of the overturning of Roe v. Wade. A reminder again that people respond with anger, with hurt, with pain, with fear. We've had a couple of generations now grow up with abortion on demand being the law of the land in state after state. And people just assume it's part of the culture and part of a way of life and something that's good for women and good for society, etc. So the trauma is very real and the fear is very real. And as we're rejoicing on the one hand, we want to keep reaching out. We want to keep reaching out. And if there is violence, anger, intimidation, we want to overcome evil with good. We want to overcome hatred with love. We want to overcome darkness with light. We want to overcome lies with truth. That's the way it's got to be. All right. <clears throat> Hopefully, uh, we've got one of my pro-life friends, longtime attorney with the Alliance Defense uh, Alliance for Defending Freedom, uh, retired from there recently, but was on the front lines, one of the senior leaders for many, many years, and will have some great insights for us. Just finishing one inf- interview, joining us for another. We were hoping, Pat Mahoney and I talking last night and then texting today, hoping we'd get him on during this hour, but it's uh, he's swamped. He's beyond swamped. So, Hopefully it'll happen, but e- either way, I've, I've got a ton more stuff to cover and go over here. Uh, there's an article by Ben Zeitzloft on Daily Wire. Here are the woke businesses vowing to cover travel costs for employees, what he calls abortion tourism. In other words, if you live in a state where you can't get an abortion, there are various companies. Amazon has, has said this. Uh, other companies have said it looks like Dick's Sporting Goods, maybe Disney, uh, where they'll say, look, if, if you can't get an abortion in your state where, where you're one of our employees, then we will pay for you to travel to another state. Uh, Levi Strauss said in early May that business leaders need to make their voices heard and to act to protect the health and well-being of their employees. So, again, that's how they're looking at this, quote, health and well-being of, of the employees. We have to keep coming with our pro-life arguments. This is a massive breakthrough today, massive, historic, unprecedented breakthrough today. But now we have to keep making our case state by state, life by life, child by child. We have to keep making the pro-life case. And my prayer, as, as John Smerick and Jason Jones suggested, is that the reaping and sowing the natural outgrowth of choosing life versus choosing death will make itself plain and that God, this is the prayer part, that God will act in the midst of it. You know, the book of Amos, he talks about trying to wake Israel up. He said, I, I sent rain on one city and not another city. And you didn't repent. It's like, okay, this city's honoring me. I'm going to bless this city. This city's dishonoring me. I'm going to judge this city. And they, they still didn't get it. They still didn't repent. All right. Before we get into Justice Alito's actual ruling, there was a concurring decision written by Clarence Thomas. And this, of course, has people pulling their hair out and saying, we told you, we told you, we told you. And these Christians are going to take over, or it's a Catholic takeover, or this is what we've been predicting in Christian nationalism. And, of course, Ginny Thomas, Clarence Thomas's wife, well, she agreed with Christian nationalism or what? 
So you bring all that in. But he said, we've got to go back and reexamine previous rulings by the court that were wrong. Remember President Biden, when the leak came out, he said, they're going to be after, going after same-sex marriage next. And I said, may it be so. Because that never should have been decided by the court. States can make their decision. That's how America works. And if a state, for the people of the state, vote to redefine marriage, I don't like it. I think it's wrong. But that's their choice. That's the way we operate. A state could pass some law that we find absolutely horrendous, but they have the power to do that. Either way, right? The states right now that have said, okay, based on our, the people we put in, in office, no abortions in, in our state. Well, that's what the, how the people voted. Others that, that are called pro-choice, they're outraged. They're flipping out. Now, how can that be? Well, it's, that's the way it operates. In the same way, I'm deeply grieved over states like New York and the radical pro-abortion laws that were passed, but that's how the system works. People vote in legislators and they make rulings. And some we may find to be terribly wrong or immoral, but that's how our system works here. So it was wrong for the Supreme Court to redefine marriage. It's not just that decision that Thomas says should be reexamined, but also the Lawrence v. Texas decision, not just the Bergerfeld, but the Lawrence v. Texas decision. This goes back to 2003, by a 6-3 ruling, the Supreme Court bizarrely found a constitutional right to sodomy. Yeah. To sodomy. I'm not going to get into more detail than that, especially for younger listeners. They found that right. In the Constitution? How? So this is what Justice Alito said when, 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 that, that, became, uh, when that became the law of the land. Uh, let me just grab this here. This is his quote. Justice Antonin Scalia, 2003. If moral disapprobation of homosexual conduct, quote, is no legitimate state interest for purposes of proscribing that conduct, conduct, what justification could there possibly be for denying the benefits of marriage to homosexual couples exercising the liberty protected by the Constitution? In other words, if you can't say, well, we morally disapprove of this conduct, and, and as the people of the state, we have moral disapproval of it, therefore it should be illegal. Well, no, no, this doesn't, why should that make something illegal? Well, isn't that why other things are illegal? Moral disapproval? Because things wrong? Well, if, if that goes here, then he's saying you can have gay marriage. So both of those things make perfect sense to me. This is not the, the jurisdiction of the court to overturn either of those. And by the way, laws against sodomy were on the books in America, but basically not enforced. There's just say, hey, we, we recognize this is wrong. Now, now we've gotten to the point, I wrote on this, one of the most grievous articles I've written in years, and I've written a lot of grievous ones, painful ones to write. Go to my website, askdrbrown.org, askdrbrown.org, after you read today's article on the significance of the overturning of Roe and share that with others. After that, read the article about when, when major companies celebrate gay sex. There's a warning at the beginning about content, but... Boy, have we come a long way. That, that's all I'm going to say. I, I'm, I'm not going to say more on the radio. It's just too sickening. And for those that celebrate this, oh, no, this is good and healthy and wholesome. God have mercy on your understanding. So <clears throat> Thomas has also said that laws allowing for contraception with married couples should be reexamined. Now, is he saying that contraception is immoral? which would be a Catholic position, 
or is he saying that the Supreme Court ruling itself went too far and there are other ways to address these things? Obviously, you can, you can see people say, wait, you're going to take away all contraception and, and you're going to take away abortion and, and, and then you're going to take away same-sex marriage. You can understand why people are fearful and then thinking, well, this is just a Christian takeover. All it is is the court being the court, regardless of one's view on contraception. This is just a call for the court to be the court and function the way it was intended to function, let the states function the way they were intended to function. Let's, with that, let's, uh, let's take a look and let's look at some of the specific quotes from the Justice Alito ruling, okay? And as an article of Fox News, 10 key quotes from Justice Alito's opinion overturning Roe v. Wade. And before I, I read some of these to you, may I encourage you to go to websites you may not go to that have very different slants on things, to go to liberal websites, you know, to read the news that's being reported on msnbc.com or cnn.com. By the way, to CNN's credit, online they had an article, a, a, a pro-life article, saying this is the right decision, saying here's one opinion, here's another, so I appreciate them doing that. Uh, go to msnbc.com or uh, huffpost.com or, you know, other left-wing websites, Politico, or you know, different ones, Daily Beast, whatever. There are major ones out there. And see what they're saying, just so you can see what those who are not rejoicing are saying, what they're talking about, what they're fearing. And let's do our best to, to minister to those concerns. So, yes, we're rejoicing, but we're not rejoicing like, ha, ha, ha. No, no, we're rejoicing saying, thank God for the unborn. Thank God for the unborn. Thank God. And for all the mothers who, who've been hurt by the abortion decision and, and fathers and families, Thank God, thank God, thank God, and God have mercy. Lord, see this as an act of, of repentance for many in America, and, and have mercy because there's massive blood guilt in our hands. Massive blood guilt on our hands. We, we only are sustained by mercy. All right, so um, Alito details how abortion was viewed pre-Roe. Not only was there no support for such a constitutional right until shortly before Roe, but abortion had long been a crime in every single state. At common law, abortion was criminal in at least some stages of pregnancy and was regarded as unlawful and could have serious consequences at all stages. American law, American law followed the common law until the wave of statutory restrictions in the 1800s expanded criminal liability for abortions. By the time of the adoption of the 14th Amendment, three quarters of the states had made abortion a crime at any stage of pregnancy and the remaining states would soon follow. So, until shortly before Roe, this was the reality nationally. You say, what about all the thousands of women who died with illegal abortions? Well, there weren't. There weren't. That's a myth that every year the thousands of women died because of illegal back alley abortions. Even liberal websites have corrected that. Were there dozens, scores, certain cases? Yes. That's terrible that that happened, but still, it's not your right to take the life of the baby in the womb. And how do you compare that to 50, 60 million plus babies aborted? How, how, do, you, how do you compare those numbers? Roe egregiously wrong. We read that quote uh, that, that only deepened division. Then Alito on the confusion over what the 14th Amendment protects. 
He said, in interpreting what is meant by the 14th Amendment's reference to liberty, we must guard against the natural tendency to confuse what the amendment protects with our own ardent views about the liberty that Americans should enjoy. That is why the court has long been reluctant to recognize rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution. I'm going to read a few more quotes from Justice Alito. Again, friends, if you missed any part of the broadcast, check out everything we've had to say. I hope you're finding it informative, helpful. And for those listening that you're shaking your head like, who are these guys? Are they crazy? Remember, we're not angry. We're not gloating. We want everyone to embrace the culture of life by their own choice. That's the goal. That's the goal. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get on the Line of Fire by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. So I told you at the beginning of the show, I got a call from Pat Mahoney last night saying that he got kind of a cryptic text, but inside information indicating that the, the decision was going to be released today. I had talked to an attorney friend a few days ago with inside information from one of his attorney colleagues, totally closely connected with the court, that said that nobody was moving, that the justices that had decided to rule to overturn Roe, they were, they were standing firm to do that. So, uh, and, and that, of course, is what we've been fully ex- expecting and continuing to pray for that, that to happen, for justice and mercy to prevail. So I, I just I thought, okay, so it's supposed to happen 10 a.m. this morning. And I want to remember where I am at that moment. You know, there are a few things that you remember in your life. If you're as old as I am, you remember where you were when news came that JFK was assassinated. You know, in school, just an announcement comes over the PA and people just start crying. And next thing, we're picked up to to go home. And the tragedy of 9-11, you remember where you were when that happened. So I, I wanted to specifically be ready. And then I thought, I'll probably want to write something uh, uh, soon after. But, you know, I'm a late night person. And I'm often going strong till three, sometimes four in the morning. So I may get up much earlier uh, than than I want to. And in other words, I I may get up after only sleeping maybe four hours, maybe respond to some emails and texts, maybe do a couple things, but then I'll go back to sleep. So that's what happened this morning. I got up early, but much earlier than I wanted to, having gone to sleep past three last night. And then I dozed off again. And the next thing I realized, wait, then I, I looked, I was looking for news, like 10, so I didn't see anything. And next, I kind of dozed off and it's 10, 11. It's like, whoa, whoa, 10, 11. And that's when the news basically started to break. So <laughs> it, was, it was basically the first thing I saw because I looked a few minutes earlier and, and, uh, Nothing, and then, boom, uh, got got our got the announcement. Immediately wrote an article. I think I finished the article about forty five minutes. Got it all hyperlinked, annotated, all that, sent it out, and then soon after it was posted on our website. Now going all over. So I, I remember where I was laying in bed at that moment, having fallen asleep for a few minutes. It was one of these days you you want to mark the moment. You want to remember where you were, how you felt. All right. Uh, Justice Alito, 
in his decision also dismisses the claim that the decision will lead to reversals on same-sex marriage and contraception. Now, Clarence Thomas is saying, well, let's reevaluate all those, right? He says, finally, the dissent suggests that our decision calls into question Griswold, Eisenstadt, Lawrence, and Obergefell. Uh, and those last two being the, quote, right to sodomy and, and the redefining of marriage. But we have stated unequivocally that nothing in this opinion should be understood to cast doubt on precedents that do not concern abortion. We have also explained why that is so. Rights regarding contraception and same-sex relationships are inherently different from the right to abortion because the latter, as we have stressed, uniquely involves what Roe and Casey termed potential life. So that's his argument, that, that there is one thing specifically that Roe is focused on, there's potential life in the womb, and you cannot take that potential life willingly. Period. End of subject. Now, have other cases been wrongly ruled? Could be, but that's a separate issue. That's Justice Alito's point. Justice Thomas is saying, hey, let's look at others that were wrongly ruled. Fair enough. Let's see where the argument goes. And, of course, if, if same-sex marriage is overturned, then that creates massive societal problems because of all those legally, quote, married. And all those raising kids in that. And, and so, I mean, talk about social, social upheaval, but it's also what happens when we get things wrong in the first place. In any case, Justice Alito saying, as far as the law is concerned, as far as our ruling, it's just abortion. Because same-sex marriage doesn't touch on p- taking a potential life. The issue of contraception doesn't take of, talk of taking potential life because the life's not there yet, right? Life is only after conception. Um. And, Justice Alito said, the court's not allowed to impose its own theory of life on the nation. Quote, our opinion is not based on any view about if and when prenatal prenatal life is entitled to any of the rights enjoyed after birth. The dissent, so the dissenting opinion written by the other three justices, by contrast, or signed on by the other three justices, would impose on the people a particular theory about when the rights of personhood begin. According to the dissent... The Constitution requires the states to regard a fetus as lacking even the most basic human right to live at least until an arbitrary point in the pregnancy is passed. Nothing in the Constitution or in our nation's legal traditions authorizes the court to adopt the theory of life. Alito says Roe's decision, the Roe decision usurped power. Again, reading from Alito. Roe was on a collision course with the Constitution from the day it was decided. Casey perpetuated its errors, and those errors do not concern some arcane corner of the law of little importance to the American people. Rather, wielding nothing but raw judicial power. The court usurped the power to address a question of profound moral and social importance that the Constitution unequivocally leaves for the people. And then the last points... Roe relies on an erroneous historical narrative, and uh, Alito emphasizes the democratic consequences of Dobbs, and Alito says he does not know how the U.S. will respond to Dobbs. We do not pretend to know how our political system or society will respond to today's decision, overruling overruling Roe and Casey, and even if we could foresee what will happen, we would have no authority to let that knowledge influence our decision. We can only do our job which is to interpret the law, apply longstanding principles of stare decisis, and decide this case accordingly. Probably mispronounced the Latin there, sorry. We therefore hold that the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. 
Roe and Casey must be overruled and the authority to regulate abortion must be returned to the people and their representatives. And this is his conclusion. Abortion presents a profound moral question. The Constitution does not prohibit the citizens of each state from regulating or prohibiting abortion. Roe and Casey arrogated that authority. We now overrule those decisions and return that authority to the people and their elected representatives. Thus, the Alito decision concludes. Again, friends, historic moments in our nation's history. And with that, finally, one of my buddies has broken free. Uh, Joe, literally, Joe and Franco, longtime leading attorney with Alliance Defending Freedom. We've literally got two minutes but why is this <laughs> so day sorry, so? No, no, we're great. Trust me, there's enough content to talk about. Why, oh my, oh my goodness. from yeah. your perspective, take the last couple of minutes. Why is this such a momentous moment in American history? Yeah, yeah, and and uh, boy, I mean, you could. There's so many answers to this. I, I I think that as a nation, we've made the statement that abortion is not a given. It's okay to have a pro-life view. It's okay to give this to the democratic process. We're beating back this imposition on the federal level that we all have to now go along with this thing. It, it's a strong blow against federal overreach as well, which is the root of many problems that we face. But for those of us who have been around the full life movement, oh my goodness, you know, Roe was almost 50 years ago, and when it was affirmed by a case called KCB Planned Parenthood in 1992, in the pro-life movement, there was just this glum feeling like, oh, no, it, it, we are just stuck with this. And now to think we can actually debate and talk about life and talk about some of the issues like the viability line, the fact that children live longer. Now, what does this mean in life more generally? What does this mean for issues like physician-assisted suicide? There have been efforts to say that that should be uh, a constitutional right, which the Supreme Court rejected. But what's going to come now when we get into other areas on life, if we as Christians say, what, well, we are image bearers of God. For that reason, all life has inherent dignity. There are things we want to do. This touches on all kinds of things. How do we treat elderly people? Uh, how do we treat people with special needs? You know, you and I have discussed this. There was a time in this nation, and you know, in the 1920s and 30s, even earlier than that, with the eugenics movement was going full tilt, mm-hmm. where the Supreme Court upheld mandatory sterilization of people, their word, pardon me, idiots. And people like Margaret Sanger were exporting this foul philosophy everywhere, uh, in, in, including the racist aspects of it. There was a, there was a denying of the, the divine, the, 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 the image bearer, that, you know, the, the fact that we're all image bearers, and when that happens, you start on that path. It's not surprising that abortion follows it. And I'm not engaging in hyperbole here. When you have a view of whether life is valuable, whether it's inherent value because God created it or image bearers, that sets you on one path and you view all these issues differently. Yep. Um, you start down a different path. Your default in tough questions goes the other way. And this, to me, is just a statement to the nation. This is a real debate. You can have these positions. You can advocate for them. We're overdue to have a 
discussion on what life means and why we have these views. And there are safe haven laws for women who are pregnant. There are just all kinds of things. There's adoption. There's all kinds of things that come into the discussion that were marginalized and excluded because it was very, very difficult to have any limit on abortion. But There's now, quite, quite now, it is. It's an extraordinary moment. Joe, it was worth the wait to have you weigh in. As we've been saying for days now, may a culture of life rise up in America. Thank God. Thank God. A big step today. And thank you, Joe, for joining us. Another program powered by the Truth Network.